About two weeks ago, I saw both uh, Democratic debates, all 512 candidates. I didn't talk about them too much. Everyone else seemed to have, so, so I didn't even bother with it. Uh, but I think you guys are going to love me because we're going to talk about the subject matter of those debates, the actual issues that they discussed on the debate stage. That, mean, that means I had to actually listen to another six hours of the most boring, irrelevant crap that nobody in the country is going to actually accept. But I'm trying to be a podcaster, so you got to do what you got to do. Let's have some fun. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I watched the debates, and um, then I watched them again, so I could do this uh, podcast. I have no interest in rehashing the debate. I don't see a point, in, since everybody has been really talking about it a lot. It's been the top of the news and all news weekend. Uh, not to mention, I just don't think of a debate right now. There are about 1,500 candidates, and I want to see the stragglers disappear first. Also, I know that right now these people are just trying to get votes from the left's base. None of them right now are worried about winning a general election. All these people are doing, all these people are as panda bears, and they're just trying to get nominated. Once nominated, they will go to a, they'll go wildly centrist. Right now, everyone is really leading on this, the weird left positions, but that's not going to win an election. As a matter of fact, if they continue this way, they're probably going to lose to Trump. I take it back. They're going to lose to Trump anyway, because they're going to have to explain why they decided to change their positions. But here's the thing. About 13 of them already know they're not going to even get nominated. They have absolutely no chance. So why are they doing this? Probably just to get, hopefully get nominated to a position in the next White House, next Democratic White House, if that come, comes along. So let's not look at the candidates too much. Uh, I don't even know half of them. Uh, let's look at the issues, because I think this is going to determine who will win in 2020. Uh, the first big issue is climate change. I, I, I was a little surprised here. The talk of climate change was actually very moderate. I think some uh, didn't even bring it up, and the moderators never really pushed it. It was brought up by the candidates. It was brought up by all of them, but they said that there was just a huge problem, and there was really no solutions, and the problem was us, for whatever reason, as usual. And everyone basically said to standing applause, uh, and we have not addressed climate change. That's it. No solutions, not even AOC's stupid New Green Deal was brought up. Uh, there were a couple mentions of the New Green Deal, but no one really committed to it. They said they liked some of it, but could not commit to part or all of it. And that's because the Green New Deal is nothing but a socialist push. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez really screwed her party uh, for 2020. Nancy Pelosi might as well pack up the rest of her dentures and leave Washington, D.C. because she's no longer relevant in politics. AOC has took it, took it, took it over. Uh, that's a bad thing for the Democratic Party. Um, Pelosi is, was, is a progressive, but she's pretty moderate. She knows what needs to be done to win. These candidates are going to have to stand on this Green New Deal no matter what, because AOC is just destroying the party. If they don't, um, they're just they're going to get killed in the general election. Unfortunately for them, science and economics are on uh, the side of Trump when it comes to this climate change argument. According to NASA, the average temperature has gone up 0.8 degrees in the last hundred years. That is a far cry from the three degrees, from two and a half to three degrees that they were telling us in the 70s was already happening, and it's not. Hey, listen, I'm I'm an old guy. I'm 50-some-odd years old. I've been hearing about the climate change since the 70s, and it's always 10, 12 years. We're all going to die. It happened in the 70s. It happened in the 90s. It happened, and it's now it's happening again. And it seems like it's just not a fresh take anymore. Econom economists Paul Romer and uh, Nicholas Nord Nordhaus won the Nobel Prize in economics a couple of months ago. They wrote a paper called Integrating Innovation and Climate with Economic Growth. 
I guess if you just put climate in the paper, you'll be up for a Nobel Prize and loved by the media and the Nobel Committee. Unfortunately, I don't think very many people really read the paper. I did. I didn't understand a lot of it. It was a lot of math. But according to these two, things are not as disastrous as they're made out to be. According to the paper, Climate Trends point that we will not have an issue till late 2000s or early 2100s. And it would probably only cost 4% of the GDP from each country to correct the problem. That means of all the income these countries make, only 4% they're going to have to spend to, collect, uh, to correct climate change. Of course, that is only if we blame everything on man-made climate change. We would have to ignore uh, science. We'd have to ignore that the earth, the earth does wobble. In a few years, um, Polaris, which is the North Star in this hemisphere, is not going to be the North Star. Um, the equator is going to change. Everything is actually going to change because it's the destination of the Earth. And it's going to be within 100 years. It's not going to be very long. Uh, and we'd have to ignore some of the astrophysics, other astrophysics that just the Earth goes through. Sometimes the Earth is closer to the sun. Sometimes the moon gets closer and sometimes they pull apart. So we go back and forth. And we do know this. Do you know why we know this? We have... Um, ice ages, and we have tropical weather. It happens through, period, through periods. As a matter of fact, we, according to climatologists, we're actually in a mini cold age. So, yeah, we're going to get warmer one way or the other. Now, does that mean I don't believe that we man is actually, that man is not causing climate change? No, I don't agree with that at all. You can't have you know, almost eight billion trillion billion is a trillion? How many eight billion people on the planet and sit back and think that we're not affecting the planet in some kind. We've gotta be. But it's just according to trends, it doesn't look like we're affecting it quite as much as uh, they think. Then there's something they also they also ignore, which is again scientific. We probably have about 150 years of climate history out of the millions of years of actual climate history. In other words, we don't really know too much about climate. We haven't really been taking care of the climate, paying attention to the climate. So to think that we can come up with a trend after 150 years is really arrogant of us because there's just no way to do it. Right now, with all of the science that we have, we can accurately predict weather within three days. The UN climate report that was released last year that um, AOC bases her we're dead in 12 years scenario is actually one scenario of about 20 to 30. There were a lot of different scenarios. Some of them were really exaggerated. Some of them were really scary things. Some of them were just, okay, yeah, we're going to go up a couple of degree or so. Okay, so... To think that we can really predict weather when we've got actual scientists that can't predict weather, and that we've got a media, we've got a media, we've got a a globalist that sit back and and politicians that sit back and say, oh, we're going to die, based off one of 2025 different climate scenarios. Uh, it's a little bit too much for me, and then it's really too much for me to believe that. The United States has to sacrifice its economy and its political system to actually change climate. The United States will do less than 0.4% change if we decided to go absolutely clean tomorrow. We're just not going to affect the weather that much. Do you know why? Because we've actually already lowered our, our emission standards by 20-30%. Uh, if you look at Los Angeles... In the 70s, Los Angeles, you couldn't walk outside half the time. This, the air was literally brown. I mean literally brown. It made for great sunsets, but it also would poison you. you. You couldn't walk. You couldn't run in downtown L.A. because of the smog. The, the other problem is it's not us that's actually causing most of the problems. I believe we are third as far as um, uh, climate emissions, uh, bad emissions. And 
we are per capita actually in the mid middle of the pack. And what that means is per population, we actually produce less emissions than most countries. And emissions, that includes pollution, um, garbage throwing out. Countries like India, China, and a bunch of the African countries, including countries like Ethiopia and um, Kenya, they actually create, Nigeria is another one, they actually create a lot of pollution. And their economies are dependent on creating that pollution. We, our curbing our emissions is going to mean absolutely nothing if nobody else in the world actually curbs their emissions. And then there's the most asinine thing in the world with this Green New Deal. The Green New Deal will cost $93 trillion over 10 years. Um, that's going to be a huge increase on taxes. And if we read the Green New Deal, AOC wants to nationalize everything. She wants, well, that's, and she wants to nationalize it not because of, uh, she doesn't want to nationalize it because of climate. She wants to nationalize everything for social justice, which makes you ask yourself, uh, what does social justice have to do with the weather? We know this for sure because AOC's chief of staff, he's got a really long Indian name. I can't pronounce it. I'm not even going to try. Actually admitted that this Green New Deal thing has nothing to do with climate. It has to do with implementing socialism within the country. So I tell you what, all 40 of these guys, want to, or however many there are, I think there were like 25 on the debate stage. You go for that Green New Deal thing. See how that works in a general election. The next big, big thing is Medicare for all. Um, this is going to be a real tough sell for regular voters, and I don't think this is going to be embraced, especially with people like me who actually get his insurance through uh, work. Uh, the Democrats, especially uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, want to replace all private health insurance that people get from work. Instead, we are all going to get stuck with a federally funded solution, and we're all going to have to sign up for it. Which means we're going to we're really not going to have any health care. We see how health care has worked in the larger countries. Canada is an example. We'll talk about Canada in a second. This is a bad system, and it has never really worked. It's going to cost trillions of dollars in taxes to the point that it will actually cost between sixty and seventy percent taxes. So if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you're taking home thirty. This is not good. That was actually brought up too, repealing taxes, and maybe we'll talk about that at later on because I don't think I really added it in my notes. This is also going to create a rationed healthcare system. This is the problem Canada is actually having. Uh, even though a lot of people in Canada tell you they've got a great system, they love it, that those are people that probably don't have anything wrong with them. Doctors are going to get stuck with a standardized fee. So if they're going to pull out uh, an appendix, and this is an example, I, I actually had this as an example, the doctor's going to get $600. He cannot determine his own price. Uh, this is going to discourage people who are very qualified from actually going out and getting doctorate degrees. Here's the thing. Universal health care or any other government service just doesn't work because the government sucks at everything and they are going to suck at health care look at how the government sucked when it, they had to deal with the va hospitals you're talking a, a fraction of a, a fraction of the people needed to be taken care of at the va and and the government couldn't take care of that people were dying because they couldn't see a doctor in a timely fashion why doctors do not want to actually become doctors. They don't want to work for the VA. They don't get paid. So you end up with some new doctor who will work the minimum he, he has to and won't step out of his way. You don't have that in a private insurance because the doctor determines how much he's making. The doctor will make sure he knows what he's doing. The doctor will charge his own fee. Quality of work and the amount of work will determine his success. In a socialized system, and I call it a socialized system, but a public system, 
There is none of that quality. There's no need for any of that. In Canada, universal health care program is rationed. You will not get to see a doctor right away when one is needed, and the service is really bad. The public administrators will even tell, uh, even recommend to patients that they get some sort of supplemental insurance so that they can go see a private doctor. And yes, Canada does have private doctors. Uh, there is a great video from Steven Crowder. I think this is an older video. This must have been seven, eight years ago. Who was born in Canada, became a United States citizen. He did an undercover investigation about the Canadian healthcare, where he actually went in and tried to go see a doctor. Uh, you can actually look at the video either on YouTube by typing in Steven Crowder Healthcare, or you can go to my site at www.themassestalkingpolitics.com and take a look at the video. It's actually on uh, the website. The left is notorious for pointing to Sweden and Norway, stating that these countries have universal health care, and it works, and it works well. And they'd be kind of right. Um, kind of, not completely. They do have panels in Sweden and Norway that will approve certain health treatments and procedures. So if one has a very rare type of cancer, and it's going to cost a tremendous amount of money to actually cure that cancer. Um, anything they do has to be approved. Any treatment that goes outside the norm has to be approved. And good luck with this. These are what's known as the death panels you keep hearing about in socialized medicine. It's a kind of an extreme term, but it does exist. They actually do have a panel of administrators in Norway and Sweden that determines what health care the citizens get. The other issue with sitting back and embracing uh, the socialized medicine in Norway and Sweden and the other um, Nordic countries is the population. Sweden has just under 10 million and Norway has just over 5 million. And they're all the same. They're, all the people are the same. There's no diversity over there. They're all white. They all have blonde hair. They all have blue eyes. There's really not much of a difference between them. The United States has a very diverse population and has 330 million citizens and anywhere between 15 and 40 million illegal aliens. And that doesn't matter with universal health care. They'll take care of whoever. That's that patient's bill of rights thing. Oh, yeah. It will also cost about seven trillion a year to implement um, this kind of uh, seven trillion a year to implement this kind of socialized medicine. That is going to require that huge tax increase. Right now, I pay about 24 percent taxes. I don't know how I survive if my taxes go up to 60 to 70 percent. Uh, yeah. Good luck with that. And I'm pretty sure Trump's going to have a couple of answers to that. So the next big talk was socialism. Uh, so uh, let me, let me, this is going to be one of my shorter entries. No, 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 not going to happen. Socialism is not going to be embraced in this country. The left, no one wants uh, socialism except for the left. And the left is a minority of people. Here's the thing. Here's how this works. Um, here's how this works. Right now, the base is who's going to vote for the uh, primary, which means on the for the right, it's going to be the conservatives and the evangelicals. They're going to be voting, and the alt-right. I, I, and the alt-right kind of goes a mix. They're sometimes they're left, sometimes they're right. It just kind of depends. The middle, the middle right, the centrists, and the middle left are not going to vote in the primaries. They typically don't. When we get and when we get to a general election, anyone that's been touting socialism is going to have to go centrist on the socialism issue because capitalism work, it's been working for hundreds of years, and it's been working while it's been beaten up by left-wing uh, presidents and congresses. And socialism leads nothing to poverty, suffering, death, and tyranny. Democrats want to lose the next election. 
keep pushing socialism because all Trump's going to do is say, um, look at Venezuela, um, look at Cuba, um, look what's happening in Brazil. Brazil is going. So actually, Brazil just uh, got a right of center president. Socialism just never works. Gun control. This is the next one. And I'm a little passionate about gun control. This is going to be a tougher one for Republicans. Not only do leftists support gun control, but so do liberals. A lot of left of center liberals, and these are centrist liberals, uh, believe our gun laws are a little too loose. I don't agree with that, and I'll explain it in a few minutes. With electronic media plaguing the world, we hear about every bit of violence, no matter what the story is, or if we even have the complete story, and we all run onto social media and start politicizing the story immediately. This is bad. I mean, half the time, and nobody sits and points to the person that may have committed the crime. They only point to the gun, like the gun is going to jump up and bite somebody. And I got to tell you something. I've had a gun for 25 years. It's never shot. I've never shot anyone. No one's ever shot me with it. And I. it's never gotten up up out of its case and started shooting at me. It just doesn't happen like that. After you've got the outrage about the problems that after that one single point of violence, there are more morons like Swalwell and Warren that will want to confiscate all our guns, limit the number of rounds that one can buy, and raise the gun ages. Uh, it's at 21. I've also heard they've been pushing to get it to 25. So a soldier can basically have a weapon in the army at 18, but cannot buy a gun on his own when he's a civilian. Oh, yeah. And here's another thing. It's the lies that people tell, tell us, that the left tells us when it comes to gun control. First off, we do have background checks. Even if a father wants to give a son a gun, we have to... Well, no, I was, uh, let me... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking and not talking, but... We already do have background checks. It checks your legal status. It checks your criminal activity, including domestic violence. Domestic violence, automatically you will not be able to have a gun, and the government will have to go in and take your guns away. If you have a restraining order, you do not have any gun rights, you cannot buy a gun. If you have, have been mentally incapacitated in any way, you cannot buy a gun. And then all of that is thrown through a background check. And then you can get your gun seven days to two weeks later. Now, that does apply only to uh, handguns. It doesn't apply to AR-15s and things like that. But it, it is they are there. What liberals want is they keep saying we want more comprehensive uh, background checks. Well, here's the problem. I would like one liberal to tell me. What is a comprehensive background check? Define a comprehensive background check. How much comprehensive can these background checks get? give? You have to give your social security number. You have to get this. <clears throat> now, one thing I'm not against is licensing. If you have to get a license for a gun, you have to actually, in order to own guns, you have to get a license. I, I don't necessarily mind that because, or you have to take a safety course, not necessarily a license because you can't do anything with a gun once you have it, especially in states like California. I could get a license for a gun. I don't want a license in California. I can't carry the gun. So what's the point? There are going to be some huge problems for the Democrats, though. Gun control is not a not exactly a winning issue for them. Uh, first off, most of the country doesn't believe in gun control. It doesn't believe in restricting the rights for guns. Even some of the liberal states like Vermont, Massachusetts, and Colorado are against gun limits or some heavy-handed gun control. Okay, limiting bullets, limiting types of guns they can carry. The sec, um, in fact, 38 of the 50 states believe in gun rights. You've got the wacko states like California, New York, that are really, and and Washington and Oregon and Hawaii, they're really against gun rights, but they are very much in a minority. And unlike those five states, just about, I can't think of another state that is just like, no, we want complete gun banishment. You know, New Jersey is another one. They, they don't like guns. That's why the Second Amendment has never been seriously challenged with a repeal. 
It's never, never going to get out of Congress, ever. We already have those stringent background checks, as I've said. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. Military history. If you were in the military and you had a dishonorable discharge, you don't qualify to have a gun. There's something else. I mean, they, the gun, the, the background checks are pretty thorough. So there's no reason to really fear that these background checks are, are, are not any good. And you definitely can't say these gun regulations aren't there. They're non-existent. They're there. There's nothing to worry about. And by the way, if we make it criminal to have a gun, only criminals will have guns. It's a cliche, I know, but it's true. I would even go so far as to say those gun-free zones are basically inviting criminals. Because criminals who decide they want to go shoot people, they're going to find a zone where they're not going to be challenged and they can start shooting people. I am not against armed security guards in schools. I am not against teachers who are trained and allowed to carry weapons in schools. I'm not against uh, metal detectors. I'm not against walls in schools. I'm not against fencing in schools. I'm not against any of this stuff. We keep talking about, um, we keep talking about the, our schools are becoming like prisons for these kids. They're not becoming prisons. That's how you protect kids. If you ever go to a Jewish school, my daughter worked in a Jewish school. That school had metal detectors. That school had uh, walls. That school had gates. That school had armed security. Why? Because Jewish kids are commonly targeted. I remember 10 years ago in, um, in Los Angeles, there was a school shooting at a Jewish school. And there were two Jewish schools. I believe this was uh, in West Los Angeles, um, kind of a eastern West Los Angeles. And the sh shooter, who was an alt-right anti-Semitic, he was a bad guy, he just wanted to kill Jews, he sat back and he had a choice of two schools. One of the schools had armed guards, metal detectors. He wasn't getting into that school. He found a school right down the street, another Jewish school, little kids who... They weren't protected. It was a gun-free zone. He walked in and started shooting. I think he killed um, he killed several uh, several kids. I, I don't know how many he actually killed, but he killed like six or seven, I believe. Here's the kicker. And we'll guarantee nothing will be done to overthrow these rights. And it is the Second Amendment. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding of, of the Second Amendment. Now, listen to this. A well-regulated militia, with a capital M, being necessary to the security of a free state, with a capital S, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The se Second Amendment states it very clearly. Now, I know a lot of people on the left want to confuse this issue. They want to sit there and say that the amendment is outdated. That's not true. I think the way politics is today, the way you have certain people that want to take over, I'm not saying let's go form a militia and hide in Idaho in a cabin someplace. I'm saying the way the government is today, the way some of these politicians are so power hungry that they will do whatever they can talk about, whatever they can to take power and then tell us that they want to take away our rights for our betterment. It tells me that no. And then they want to say, I want to take your guns too. I would say no. That is just enough reason that the Second Amendment has to stay alive. The say they talked that the Second Amendment wasn't meant to cover um, assault rifles. That you know back then they didn't think we'd have the rifles they had. They had muskets that they had to preload and pump and shoot. That's garbage. First off, there is no definition of assault rifle or weapon of war. Assault rifle is a general term. They confuse semi-automatic with automatic. Automatic means I can press the trigger and it'll just keep going off. Semi-automatic means I press the, the trigger and it auto-loads and I can press the trigger again. As fast as I can press the trigger is as fast as the gun will fire. Well, that covers, then we might as well ban handguns because most semi-automatic handguns do exactly that. Revolvers do that. So, no, that's a really dumb argument. And then what's worse, I, I didn't even tell you this. Hey, newsflash, 
um, assault rifles, those muskets that they were shooting, they had to reload and shoot, those were weapons of war. Those were considered assault rifles. But here, I'll go a step further. The amendment does not protect your right, right to have an assault, or no, an assault, ri assault rifles, or what they call assault rifles, are not used for hunting. The Second Amendment doesn't give a damn that you want to go hunt or what weapon you use when you're hunting. If I buy an AR-15, which doesn't mean assault rifle, by the way, it means it's the name of the company that made it. But if I decide to buy an AR-15, the Second Amendment gives me the rights to buy and own and not have that AR-15, not for hunting, but to protect myself against the government within a militia. And by the way, the army is not a militia. In the Revolutionary War, the militia was not the United States Army. There was no United States Army. It was groups of men who fought for our freedom. They were farmers. They were uh, store owners. They were merchants. They were anybody they could find. Militia is just a group that goes beyond the, the United States military. So I think the Democrats would really have a hard time defending this, and um, I'm glad about that. The next uh, next thing we should go over is um, illegal immigration. I don't have a lot. I know this is definitely a loser for Democrats. Uh, the country, or at least the sane branch of it, does not want open borders. They do not want illegal aliens getting free health care, food stamps, low-income housing, and a pathway to citizenship. Most people don't care that these people are put in jail, uh, put in a jail called a detention center for breaking the law, and those jails may suck. No one cares. Jails suck. Don't break the law. You won't end up in jail. This loser for Democrats... And we are going to see them turn right away after the primaries. They will not stick to this. Even left of center folks, left of center liberals are not going to go for this. And I think even progressives have a bit of a problem for this. This is an issue that shows the true nature of the Democratic Party. Democrats pander to Antifa and Ocasio-Cortez left to get through the primary. That's why they're doing this. But the policy is suicide in a general election. If the Democratic candidate actually went and backed these policies, I would say Trump wins 45 states, maybe 48. California, Washington State, Oregon, New York, they're all getting killed with poverty, homelessness, disease, high taxes. This week, Gavin Newsom came up with two policies. One, that gives free health care to illegal immigrants. Free health care to illegal immigrants. Ages, I think it's 17 to 25 or 18 to 25. Um, yeah, we've got 59,000 homeless in Los Angeles alone, close to 100 homeless in California altogether. The quality of life in California is absolutely terrible. And now he's pushing, Gavin Newsom is pushing, the governor of California, excuse me, is pushing to give illegal aliens low-income housing. How, how does that work? You should see where I'm living, and I, I work for a living, and I pay taxes. Um, I just don't think this is going to be a really good stand for them. And I don't think all Trump is going to do in that case is just point to California, point to Seattle, point to Portland, heck, point to Hawaii. Hawaii it sounds like heaven when you're on vacation, but if you live there, you're living 15 to a house. It's extremely, they have extreme poverty, and they have really high homeless in, in Hawaii. It's not heaven on earth. He can point to New York. He can point to Baltimore. He can point to New Jersey. And all he, all he has to say is, guys, what's your quality of living like? Now, I tell you, I don't care what anyone says. There aren't that many Democrats in California. There really aren't. There are a lot, definitely not that many leftists. There are a lot of center, center right, center left, and a lot of conservatives out here. And I guarantee you, we're going to have no problem trying to get some people over on our side, especially looking at the way the city of Los Angeles is, or the city of San Francisco. San Francisco is worse than Los Angeles. 
next next topic of course this was brought up um i don't know 500 times in here is racism if i'm spending some time on twitter and i'm not called a sexist bigot homophobe misogynist alt-right xenophobe that hates children oh i forgot racist i lost the debate i was having no kidding i that's how the debates usually end I'm called something. I was called a racist. I was called a racist three times today. I was called a white supremacist once. I literally posted seven, seven or eight tweets. I I work, so I can't post them all day. Uh, I mean, seriously, misogynist. That's a clinical term. If you're a misogynist, you're like a serial killer. You are an absolutely insane person. Trump, when it comes to sex, when it comes to women and how you treat women, by the way, Trump kind of is a misogynist. Let's call it what it is. He's definitely a sexist, but you know what I mean. Okay. Anything that ends with phobe means you also have a mental problem. These are extreme terms. It gets bad when I'm called a homophobe, xenophobe, racist, bigot, and I don't care. These terms have been overused. They've been used for everything, as you'll hear tomorrow in tomorrow's podcast. And I hold it personally as a badge of honor because it tells me I won the debate. You already know that. We had that discussion. I think I spent an entire podcast on it. Okay. Uh, now, this is the, here come the big ones. And let's talk about abortion. Uh, this has become another real hot point for Democrats and they, things are not working out the way they thought they would. Their views ha are beginning to bury them. And it all started with this stupid statement by Ralph Nordham on some podcast. The infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. That is Ralph Nordham, the governor of Virginia, describing how a doctor would handle a failed, a botched abortion. Before this, Democrats never really bought any of that stuff. Okay. It was supposed to be legal, safe, and rare. And now they've gotten to the point, it should be anytime, anyone, anyone, anywhere. Uh, I don't know how you win this argument. Their position, which was tolerated to the right until now, is now seen as a form of genocide. It is a form of murder. You let a baby who is sitting on a table being made comfortable while people decide whether that baby's going to live or die, that's infant—it's infanticide, period. End of story. I, I, there's no argument about that. A kid is born. But this started the less angst for, oh, well, you can have an abortion up to the time the baby's in the birth canal. I, I don't understand. What is the difference between killing a baby three days before it's born and killing a baby three days after it was born? Can anyone tell me the difference? Hey, that baby three days can be pulled out of the mother. No problem. It's going to survive. But they're talking that baby can be in the birth canal and they can kill it. This is just this is just right. And it's impossible to keep a neutral position on it when you just I think it's hard to keep a neutral position when someone's killing a baby at 24 weeks. A baby at 24 weeks has fingers, eyes, toes, heartbeat, blood, lungs. It, baby's just really small. It's a completely different baby. I know I've had a podcast on this, so I'm not going to go into the debate on it. But I, I think this is going to be a real hard, hard sell. It's, and, and the other thing is, where's the limit? Now you're saying it's okay to kill a baby that has been born because of an ab abortion. It's still okay. What's the limit? Are we going to have 80-month 80, 80 abort, 80-week abortions? And I, I, I don't – this extreme will get a candidate past the primary once again, but sticking to it's not going to get someone elected in general election. It's going to seem just way too extreme. And these guys can change the wording all they want. They can call it women's reproductive health. They can call it women's health care. 
all they want. It's not. It's abortion. Women's health care is get an IUD, get birth control pills, get a mammogram, get a pap smear. That's, that is actual women's health care. Reproductive rights. You have the right to get a uh, to get a, a IUD. You have the right to get a birth get birth control pills. You have the right to tell your partner to get a condom. You do not have a right to kill another human being ever. It's just not right. Okay, I'm, I, even though I'm getting hot on it, that's that's all I'll bring up with that. And then here's a, oh here's another one, and this was huge. Free college. I love this. Um, I was a pretty smart kid when I went to school. I wanted to go to UCLA or UC Berkeley, and I wanted to study uh, English, but I didn't. I just, I flat out couldn't afford it. I had a family. I had to work full time. Um, the, the traveling was going to be difficult. The schools were just way too expensive. So I went to Cal State Northridge. After I graduated, I wanted to go to law school. Again, I didn't because I had two kids and a wife and I couldn't work. Uh, law school's difficult and I couldn't afford the $200,000 uh, in tuition, which is what the school would have cost me after I graduated. I took a teaching job. Uh, I took a job teaching computer networking, got paid well, sharpened my skills, and now I have a career as a computer uh, systems administrator. I get paid well. I like the job. I'm secure in my job. Uh, I worked full time. I'm proud of my degree. I paid for my de degree. I paid for my books. Paid for, <coughs> uh, paid off any loans that I might have had to take out. Worked hard, and uh, I have the degree I never used until now when I do my writing and my podcasting. Well. Of course, the Democrats don't look at it that way. I guess people aren't supposed to work anymore. People aren't supposed to pay their debts anymore. Uh, just listen to AOC talk about free college. And this was just last week. This moment when I was in college and uh, I was mentoring this girl, that this young woman, her name was Andrea. She was about three or four years younger than me. But I was about 19 years old and she was in high school and she had gotten into all of these prestigious universities, but she was given no uh, student loan assistance, no real, she was given no um, scholarships. All of her student aid was presented to her in the form of loans. And she came from a solid middle-class family. She was not exceedingly wealthy. And, uh, and so she really, she got into her dream college, but her dream college offered her no scholarships, just loans. And she truly felt at 16, 17 years old, she felt that the decision of college was so important that she felt that she needed to consider taking on $250,000 worth of debt to go to college. And she's 17 years old, and here I am calling her from my dormitory, a 19-year-old consulting a 17-year-old about a $250,000 loan debt situation. And I think that in and of itself illustrates the absurdity of our education financing system. And, uh, and I will be completely honest, I will disclose my, my personal stake in this fight because I have student loans too. And I think it's so funny, a year ago, I was waiting tables in a restaurant and it was literally easier for me to become the youngest woman in American history elected to Congress than it is to pay off my student loan debt. So that should tell you everything. Yeah, uh, AOC, it does tell us everything. God, she's so dumb. This speech by itself proves that she should not be a government official. Bad language alert. Fuck you, AOC, and fuck your loans. I, I just, I swear, this gal makes me so angry. Let me point out a couple of things. One, and then about her little diatribe. First off, I, I just pray one thing. I hope Andrea did not spend $250,000 a year in high school. 
just because a 19-year-old decided to, to tell a 17-year-old to take uh, $250,000 out on loans, what kind of brain, what, what was she thinking? Congratulations to, to AOC. She may have just ruined a life. I hope she was going, I hope this Andrea was going to be a doctor and not study lesbian dance theory because she'll never be able to pay that loan off unless she's a professional. I, I, and first of all, what's cool? $250,000 a year? It's not that much at Harvard. Where did she get accepted to? I, I don't know. I, first off, just AOC is just so annoying, such a liar, such an exaggerator. She just but that's not the worst of it. Uh, yeah, it is pretty bad, though. AOC might as well tell that gal to buy herself a Rolls Royce she always wanted. It's just odd. It's so dumb. School is so overrated. This is the stupidest thing I ever heard. College taught me fiscal responsibility. It taught me logic. It taught me the value of hard work. I had to pay off my school. I had to pay off my... I had to buy my books. And I had to work full time while I had kids. I would literally work from four o'clock, uh, five o'clock in the morning till three o'clock. Then I would drive an hour to, to Cal State Northridge and I would go to school from uh, about, I think it was five to ten every, every two, day, two to three days a week. I don't understand why people don't understand. Well, that's why I have the work ethic I have today. That's why, like today, I can go to work from 6 to 3, come home, write out my script, get ready to post this on the internet, and then sit back and do a podcast. And then probably after that, I'm going to spend an hour writing. I've got a good work ethic, and that was all from what I did to earn my degree. It was hard. It's supposed to be hard. That's college. But the thing is, her little speech is that she has school loan debt and she's having trouble paying. She's a United States congressman. No, I didn't say congresswoman or congressperson. She's a congressman and I'm not going to waste time trying to change the gender of whatever it is. Earning $175,000 with the opportunity to vote herself another $5,000 raise and she still can't pay off her school loan debt. And she got her, she, she's an idiot too. She got her degree in political science or something dumb like that. It was a type of political science degree. She spent $175,000 on that kind of degree? Why didn't she spend two years in a community college, then go to school and do something valuable? Ugh. But see, this is the proof. What AOC did, she spent $175,000 a year, and this is the $175,000 thousand and now she's making 175,000 she can actually pay that back andrea there's a good chance she's not going to be able to pay that back and she just told that gal unless andrea is a lawyer or a doctor or a real pro or a scientist or an astrophysicist or something see we don't hear any of that stuff Well, with AOC having so much problem paying off her school debt, it makes me wonder at $175,000 a year, soon to be $180,000 a year salary, it makes me wonder, I'm supposed to tr trust her running the economy. Now, she's been a congresswoman, woman, a congressman for, what, six months now? She hasn't done dick with it. She hasn't done anything. She hasn't passed any laws. She's done absolutely nothing, which is probably going to cost her her uh, candidacy in the in the 2020 election because she's already getting challenged. I don't trust her. This is why I keep saying, watch this gal. She is no good. She should be kicked out of Congress just because of that stupid speech. She's fisc fiscally irresponsible. And her idea, the Green New Deal, is actually proves that. But listen, hey, let's 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 kill all college debt. It will cost four trillion dollars right now. It will probably cost us $2 trillion a year. It's not sustainable. We can't do that. I mean, then you add $9 trillion a year for health care. I mean, Lord, we should spend more time teaching our kids to be fiscally responsible 
and there are consequences. You take out a lot of loans, well, you're going to have to pay those loans off. That's a consequence. We keep hiding our kids from consequences. This just is no good. Not to mention, once we start giving free loans for school, I mean, what's next? Are we going to start paying off credit card debt? Are we going to start paying off car debts that can't be paid? Are we going to start paying mortgages off? It's just a really, really bad idea. I, I wasn't planning to actually give any sound bites for the debate, but then I I saw the debate debates again, and I was just I, I I actually if I really wanted to search through and cut out sound bites, I could have, but you know I got a job, I work for a living, so I didn't have the chance. Um, the insanity, the gen general insanity of these people is just incredible. Oh my God. There are several people who should have lost their shot at becoming a president after their, some of their answers. Uh, ben Shapiro, I love him. Daily Wire, I subscribe. You should subscribe. A lot of my uh, material comes from two places. Uh, one is the Daily Wire. The other is HuffPo. Don't ask. I. HuffPo is just, for me, it's just the funniest thing, but I, I try and get from both sides. Uh, ben Shapiro said it best. All the Democrats have to do to win against Trump, who is probably one of the most unlikable presidents that in history, okay, is not be crazy. I'm paraphrasing it. That's why I didn't do the air quotes thing. Um, well, there was some crazy on the stage. And <laughs> It was really funny. I have you ever have you ever said something or done something that at the time you thought was really clever, but then you think about it ten minutes after you do it and you realize, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Well, that's Robert Francis O'Rourke. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I I don't mean I mean dude, Beto, Beto O'Rourke. So Beto was asked a question, <laughs> with such a strong economy, would you, what would you actually do? What changes would you make? Or would you be afraid that some of your changes might hurt that economy? What would you do? And here was his answer. And when I say here is his answer, I mean, here he is guffawing right through I just, I mean, this was a word, word diarrhea. There's nothing else to describe it, but only, you can only understand half of them. This economy has got to work for everyone. And right now we know that it isn't. And it's going to take all of us coming together to make sure that it does. Necesitamos incluir cada persona en el éxito de esta economía. Pero si queremos hacer eso, Necesitamos incluir cada persona en nuestra democracia. Uh, cada, votar, ca cada votante necesitamos la representación y cada voz necesitamos escuchar. Right now we have a system that favors those who can pay for access and outcomes. That's how you explain an economy that is rigged to corporations and to the very wealthiest. A $2 trillion tax cut that favored corporations while they were sitting on record piles of cash and the very wealthiest in this country at a time of historic wealth inequality. A new democracy that is revived because we return power to the people, no pacts, no gerrymandering, automatic and same-day voter registration to bring in more voters, and a new Voting Rights Act to get rid of the barriers that are in place now. That's how we each have a voice in our democracy and make this economy work for everybody. That, that's time, sir. I'll give you 10 seconds to answer. If you want to answer the direct question, would you support a 70% individual marginal tax rate? Yes, no, or pass? I would support a, a tax rate and a tax code that is fair to everyone. Tax capital 70%. at the same rate that you, you tax ordinary income. Take that corporate tax rate up to 28%. You would generate okay. the revenues you need to pay for the programs we're talking about. That's time. Thank you. Uh, Beto, I think you're probably done, dude. <laughs> Get back on that skateboard, wear that piggy costume, and do your punk rock performance again, because you are done. What a terrible ass. Well, first off, 
for I, I, I need to take I know I played the entire nine minutes of the thing, but it just all the crap that came out of his mouth and he never answered the question and the gal who was moderating basically called him out on it and he never would answer it. I personally would have said, okay, you don't want to answer the question. Okay. I'll go to someone else. Um, 30 of 30 seconds of it was in the worst Spanish you could ever hear. I sound more Mexican than that guy does. I guess Robert Francis needs to work on his Spanish. Maybe go back to high school and take a second year of Spanish in high school. But what was really funny is just he never answered the question. He would not answer the question. I, uh, I swear, it just a word salad. How you go a minute nine with just talking and making no sense. I'm sure... He probably had to use the restroom during the next break to to get the pee off of his pants. That poor guy. But here, here's the thing. He was not the craziest or dumbest. Well, no, hold on. Beto started a wave in that whole thing. At that point, you had uh, Juan Garcia. I don't know what his last name is. I don't I, I'd never heard of the guy before. Juan Castro. That was his name. Juan Castro, who's a real Mexican sat there and then he decided he had to answer Spanish. And then that um that real Mexican in there, Cory Booker, he also had to, to speak in Spanish. Here's the thing. Uh, well of course Castro speaks really good Spanish. He's Mexican. He speaks Spanish. But Cory Booker sounded better than he did. And um, and what was funny is the face on Cory Booker when Beto started speaking in Spanish. Oh it was that would be worth just watching. Go to YouTube and watch it because they've got it all over the internet. Cory Booker giving him the, the stink eye. Oh, it was great. But that was not the craziest. The craziest was, quote, writer, end quote. And, uh, and I say I give her quotes. She does have several books, and I'm sure eight or nine people read them. It, they're New Age books. They're about all this love, peace, all this crap. Um, Marianne Williamson, she had like three questions all night. No one is taking this chick seriously all, at all, which is a shame. I wish she would. I hope she make, makes the next debate stage because she was the most awesome of the group. But it was just an awesome question. And you could tell this chick is absolutely crazy. So let's listen to Marianne Williamson. Sorry we haven't talked more tonight about how we're going to beat Donald Trump. I have an idea about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not going to be beaten just by insider politics talk. He's not going to be beaten just by somebody who has plans. He's going to be beaten by somebody who has an idea what this man has done. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes, and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field, and sir, love will win. Thank you. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love will do it all right. I'm sure the Iranians and the Russians are just can't wait for love. I mean, this gal is open. Awesome. I hope she gets the nominee. I mean, she's got a snowball chance in hell. Even the audience was kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> Can you imagine her in a debate with well, I'll say to her, I can't, I can't imagine the nick, funny nicknames he'd come up with. I mean, Sanitarium Mad Mary, Mad Mary, Mental Case Mary, Weird Williamson. Can you imagine the stuff Trump could come up with this gal? I'm surprised he hasn't just for fun. I mean, with his his tweeting, he's been on fire. He's been having a lot of fun tweeting all this stuff. But that, that wasn't even... The craziest thing she said. I mean, that was pretty crazy. But they had there was another question where they sat back and they asked her, uh, what will be the first thing you do 
when you become president, she says she'd call the prime minister in New Zealand because she liked the way that she loved the kids. I was just like, what? <laughs> okay, this may be the first card podcast where you have the author actually has a heart attack right on. I just hope if I have a heart attack, I get it uploaded first so that I can it will go viral, baby. Um, oh, she was fantastic. And there was another one. I mean, so much fun stuff. And I, I didn't put this in. I, I Maybe I should have, but I would have. It, when they asked, they asked um, by Joe Biden the same question. They asked him, what's the first thing you're going to do when you uh, become president? He said, defeat Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm telling you, these guys were absolutely freaking hysterical. Um, you can watch some of the videos on my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. They're adorable. Um, so who won the who won the debate? Um, well, these people look really insane. I'm sorry, they did. They just look like they were not in touch at all. The Democratic base has gone so far left, like 75% of the people who actually watch this are like, what WTF? I can't say the F word again. It's a one-time podcast thing. Um, There is, on the first first night, I honestly had to say I give it to Cory Booker. I think Cory Booker won it. Uh, Elizabeth Warren really did a good job in the first half. Um, but not so hot in the second half. So I would say she came in third and, um, uh, Buttigieg, what is it, whatever Buttigieg's first name is, he, he came in second, but his, uh, poll numbers look like they're about 5%. So I think he's not far from being done. Um, in the second debate, in the second debate, uh, debate, Kamala Harris sounded like just she sounded like an ass. I mean, she attacked, um, she attacked Joe Biden and really just face planted Joe Biden. Um, she really did kill him that night. So, uh, I think she probably won that debate. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Buttigieg was in the second debate. Uh, Buttigieg actually came in second in that debate. So first debate would have been Booker. Second debate would have been Warren. Or uh, what second place would have been Warren, though she th- that was just a lackluster debate. It was just really boring. I would say Mary Williamson and Tulsi Gabbard actually looked good in the um, in the set, uh, first debate too, because they were both. Uh, well, Williamson just everyone was looking her up to see who the hell is this broad. But uh, Tulsi Gabbard actually was really strong in that debate. She did pretty good. So I would give um, the first debate, I would give to, uh, I would have to give it to Booker. Second would be Warren. Third would be Tulsi Gabbard. And fourth would be Mariana Williams, just because I can't give her anything less. In the second debate, it would definitely be, um, it would definitely be Tulsi Gabbard, or not Tulsi Gabbard. I get confused now. I should actually have written this stuff down. Uh, the second debate, which was like the big stage debate that had Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Uh, Kamala Harris won that debate cold. There, That wasn't even close. Kamala Harris killed everybody in that debate. Uh, and that doesn't mean she was good, but she had some really well-placed attacks. Um, Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, whatever his name is, um, but going, whatever. Uh, he came in second. He was very strong. Uh, the two losers in that group, because I don't think there was a third and fourth. I, I just don't think there was anyone that really stood out. Uh, the losers were Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Joe Biden possibly came up last. He looked absolutely terrible. And I would say that Bernie Sanders probably finished third or fourth. But the problem is, I, I just can't, I can't be thrilled with Bernie Sanders because every time he talks, he just looks insane. So if you combine the two debates, all 24 people who won, Donald Trump, he won it. These guys are all so far to the left, so far to the left, that they just, they can't be taken serious. 
As a matter of fact, uh, the president actually live tweeted during this debate, and he got more um, attention for his tweeting than the debate did. And while he's doing it, he actually was t- live tweeting memes and every. I, it was it was really funny. It was a it was a good night. Uh, but the Democrats look bad. Seventy five percent of the population are going to think these guys are nuts and taking them down the wrong road, as they're already seeing uh, polls right now. It's been two weeks. Uh, Trump's caught up with them all. You might remember two to three weeks ago. Trump was 10 points down on every one of them. Now he's even on everybody. They just all look like they were inauthentic and they all look like they were lying and they all look like they were going to change their minds. Um, I mean, even Kamala Harris, I think she lost some points the next day when they asked her, do you really support this? And, and, and um, Kamala Harris said, well, I mean, not really parts of it. And that was about busing. That's what she attacked Biden on. So, uh, you know, basically she called Biden a racist. This is essentially what she did without she basically said, uh, I'm not calling you a racist, but well, whenever but comes into play, ignore what you said in the first part of the sentence, because what she's going to say is and Biden couldn't answer Uh, a couple of times. Biden actually ran out of time and told the moderators, oh, I'm out of time. I mean, he just did not want to be. He looked old. He looked weak. Um, he's losing ground really quick after this debate. He tried to make a recovery the next day uh, with um, uh, Black Caucus, or I don't know. He was with some group like that. He, he did not do well. So it was, but it was, now that I look at it a second time, it was a lot of fun. But I think it was a lot of fun because I was looking for specific clips, and I look at these clips again, and it was great. So, wow, this was really a long podcast, and I still didn't cover everything because these guys just keep coming up with new and better garbage to talk about. But that's it for tonight. Um, You can uh, download my podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and and you can listen to it on on, um, YouTube. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at RunnenFool. R-U-N-N-R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. And you can visit my website. Uh, I will have uh, basically an essay plus all of the videos that uh, I couldn't play and some of the uh, videos that I took sound bites from. Uh, they actually have the full videos at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.